Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm Joel Yard. And I'm Charisma O'Keefe, and we are here every week talking to you about entrepreneurship, business, balance, and so many other things. We've been recording this podcast for many, many years, and we've had amazing guests on and kind of talked about all the business things under the sun. Uh, But if you ever have a topic you would like us to discuss, or if you have somebody in mind for us to interview, you can always reach out to us. Probably the easiest place to do so would be on Instagram at Heart Hustle Podcast, but we're also um, on X, as it's called, at Heart Hustle Pod. We're on Facebook, or you can email us at heartandhustlepodcast at gmail.com. We're very accessible, so you can reach us in all the places. Uh, But yeah, we love to hear feedback from you guys, topics you want to hear, that sort of thing. Definitely keep in contact with us. Yeah, as the girl who said that his mama named him Twitter, so I'm going to call him Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're doing in my household. That's what his mama named him. So we're going to keep it that way. But yeah, thank you. That is literally what I do call it because I just can't ever remember that it's not called that. I had to, at the end of last year, we realized that it was not going to change back to Twitter. So a lot of the clients, we had to update the icons and the footers and everything and all the places. And so... It just it's so funny because the actual like uh, design rant the actual SVG that X provided because as you know the logo was created by like a random person is incorrectly created like all of the asset is so we people have had to recreate it to properly utilize it out and about which is just could not be more of a description of how much of a failure yep. this, yep. <laughs> this rebrand like is. It, it's perfect that it happened that way because that. Like, that just fits with the narrative. <laughs> giving dollar twenty five tree. Um, so we are here today. First of all, I did want to say thank you to everybody who's re-listened. We've gotten people back in for our first three episodes since we've been back. So shout out to you if this is your first time listening. We took a little hiatus because life be life in. It does not get any better. Like outside of our lives, life is still pretty terrible. To quote my friend's aunt, like, wishing you the best as we burn down our lives in 2024. But we we are doing our best to provide and support and be here with information. And so we will be having some fun guests and some more interview styles. I know some of you guys prefer to talk to people in different industries. And we do, too. We love to to hear about people who are killing it in places that we are in, spaces that we are not in. Um, So we'll be doing more of that starting next month. But this month, our interview is with... My good friend, my co-host, Charisma. Yeah, so we interviewed you last year, and we were supposed to interview me, like, shortly thereafter. And then, like you said, we ended up kind of taking a break um, just because of life-lifing. And so, yeah, now we're finally back. So I guess it's time to interview me, it which is, is uh, very weird to be interviewed on my podcast. But, you know, it happens. It's very fun. <laughs> um, and also, I think it's actually kind of nice that it's happening this year because so much happened in between last year and this year. Really so that does. would have been a completely it's different not- interview. So this one actually I'm very it excited is. for. It really is a very different interview than it would have been. Um, I, I think my career has changed, like, a lot just in the past, like, two years. So. It's, it's been very, very interesting. So it'd be fun to kind of get into yeah, all that. Yeah, the day one fans are like, they probably have a clipboard and they're like, charisma has done. <laughs> a lot of the journey. <laughs> um, yes. So we're going to get started. You were somewhat of an artiste as a child, very inspired by the arts, surrounded by the arts. So what were some of your disciplines as you were growing up? Yeah. So to kind of understand my background, I think like looking to my grandparents, um, they've been a big part of that, right? So both of my grandparents were into the arts and my grandmother leaned more art. And then my grandfather was also into tech. 
So when you know that, it kind of makes sense, like the trajectory and, and the life path that I've taken. Um, and so I'm a classically trained first soprano. So music has always been a very big part of my life. Uh, my grandmother was a pianist and she was fantastic at it. Uh, she taught me to play piano when I was pretty young. I never got to the point uh, of being as good as she was. Um, but I was always more into my voice lessons. That was kind of where I shined. So that I think was the, the first art form that I was really, really serious about and very disciplined about was music. Um, and it's definitely, if the music industry wasn't, you know, controlled by the Illuminati and a hot mess, then that's probably what I would have pursued. I, I did dabble with a few things and I've recorded a few things professionally as an adult. Uh, but yeah, I trained all through school. So like what, probably like 13 years at least of, of training. Um, like I said, for soprano. So that was music is my first love. Um, but then I was also just very into like any artistic endeavor as a child into visual arts, uh, very crafty, um, into painting. My grandmother was an oil painter. So it was like common to, you know, be going around the house and maybe see like an easel out with like a painting she was currently working on. Um, she is so much better of a painter than I am. So I think that again, with my Capricorn mind in my mind, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to be the best at that. So let's, let's put that on the back burner. Um, and that's why I focus more on vocals. Cause like in my family, I could probably, it's safe to say like, I'm the best vocally in my family. And again, I have other artistic people in my family as well. So there's different disciplines. Like, you know, my mom and brother are very into acting, which I've done a bit of acting as well. And I did child acting. Um, so yeah, just, just a lot of the arts in general, um, so yeah, acting, I was into photography as a kid, visual arts, crafting, oil painting, sewing, uh, piano. Oh, I played violin. Um, I did that for probably about four years. I had my violin up until recently and then I like dabbled in guitar. Um, and then besides that, I was very into books, which I feel like, you know, I could explore both like the tech world, the art world, and then the fantasy world, which like kind of fueled uh, you know, like art as well for me. So just very into books as a kid, that was kind of, I would say books and music were really what I leaned into and what I assumed my career would, you know, be involved with, which books and music have been in and out, but have not been the main focus, which is very interesting. Maybe, maybe that's why I still love them both. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't have to do it to make money. So I love right. that. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's so funny because for real, I feel like that's the only reason why I still write is because I don't, I mean, mm -hmm. like I do do it for businesses, but in a different aspect, oh, from a fiction standpoint. I wrote too. I guess I, I, guess I should yes, say you that. Do. Like I, yeah. So I did a lot of writing as a kid and I did a lot of creative writing and like, you know, as, as all my friends will tell you that I bring up from time to time that I got a perfect score on the writing exam in school. I got the highest score in the school. Okay. It's Capricorn season, so I can brag about it. Um, but yeah, I was a good writer and I loved writing. I wanted to write novels. I still want to write novels. That is still something that is on my bucket list. I've written kind of like two books that I haven't finished. You know what I mean? So it's like, they're there. The concept is there. I know where the book is going, but just haven't had the time to really like focus and dedicate on it. Um, and I have an uncle who actually, well, two uncles, I have an uncle and a great uncle who've both written published books. Um, they're not in the field that I would be writing in. <laughs> so they're not like, you know, there's no crossover there that I can really like benefit from, but it's just awesome to see, of course, someone in your family do that. Cause it's kind of like, okay, like maybe this is doable. Um, but yeah, I've always loved writing. 
I think just a lot of re readers are into writing as well. I think it's just kind of if you grew up reading a lot of books and you're kind of interested in exploring and, and mapping out your own worlds as well. So yeah, for sure. Um, switching over a little bit on top of doing all the things that you're already doing, you also started to dabble a little bit into event planning very young. So how did that come about? Yeah, so when I was probably like, 18 um I started getting into events because again you you have you get to a point you have to make money um and so for me I was like I didn't really see a clear path to like music with money I was starting to record a little bit and do backup vocals um things like that for other people but I was like I need to actually like make money and my mom worked in catering when I was a kid. And so she was at, like, if you know the Orlando area, you know, there's a ton of huge hotels here. And we're actually one of the wedding capitals, like, of the world. Um, and so there's plenty of ballrooms, plenty of places to get married. Um, and so I kind of was like, hmm, maybe I'll do event planning because I've been around events a lot as a kid. I kind of know how these things go. I have a ginormous family. So doing anything is like planning an event. Like if we just <laughs> want the whole family to get together and then go to dinner, for example, and I'm not joking when I say like, I've had to like pre-schedule and plan just my family going out to a restaurant to eat because they're so like when it's just part of us getting together, it's 30. And then when it's the whole family, it's 70. So we can't just say like, let's go to, you know, whatever restaurant, like it's, it's, you have to prepare for it. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like, I think that this is something that I would be pretty decent at and it could make some decent money. So I actually was um, working with and on the board of the Health Central Foundation. I was helping them plan. They have a gala um, and a golf event and a tennis event every year. So I started kind of getting my feet wet with that. Um, and then I started an event planning business and started doing weddings. My first uh, event was actually in Isleworth, which like for those who don't live like nearby, it's a neighborhood that like Shaq like had a house in Tiger Woods has, I think two houses, maybe, maybe still one or two in there. Basically all of the like ball players and like really, really rich people live there. And it's like a gated community. Um, and so my first ever event was actually a birthday party in Isleworth. But even though it was a birthday party, it was like for 250 people. They had like a parking attendant, they had a photographer, they had florals. I mean, it was basically a wedding, but it was this guy's like 50th birthday or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I coordinated it with his wife. And then I was there day of like um, acting as a planner for, for, you know, coordinator for day of. Um, so it was like a really fun experience and just kind of threw me into that world. And I was like, yep, this fits. And it, it was a great way to be able to make money without um, having to set up a lot on the front end. Like a lot of people don't think about that when they're starting out a business, but there's so many businesses that you need to pay a lot of money upfront to be able to make money. And if you're getting into event coordination, event planning, you really do not need a lot of tools um, from the beginning to get started. Like you basically need something to process payments and to keep your money organized like Quicken or something. And outside of that, like you're good to go. Um, so I had that and this was, you know, back in the olden days. So I had a filing cabinet because um, I had hard copies of all the things. And yeah, that was pretty much all, all you needed to get started. And then just your willingness to make a lot of phone calls and send a lot of emails. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 
it's consistency and being very organized. And I think that's why people struggle with the events. People who struggle with planning vacations and those type of people. Yeah. Um, it's a very like type A activity. And so. It is. It is really type A. And I think that was like really good is that it's a very, I mean, all businesses should have systems, right? But this is a business that was very systematic and it really helped for me because I could just go in, do my systems, check things off the list, do what I need to do. And then I still had time to focus on all of like my artistic endeavors and all my hobbies because it was very much like, you know, most people were communicating nine to five and you're filing and you're doing what you need to do and you're sending your emails and you're doing your calls and then you're done. It is just very, very systematic. Whereas suppose some other businesses like the system is bigger or more complex. I think this one is very straightforward. So it's a really good, like first business as well. Yeah. Um, so you decided that you wanted to be more complicated very quickly and you decided <laughs> to jump two feet into photography. So yeah. So I think photography was kind of like almost not planned. It was not something that I, it, I honestly, I loved photography and I always wanted to be, if I was going to do photography, I kind of thought of it as something more of, I don't know, like I wanted to take photos that would be in a newspaper as opposed to like family yeah. portraits and things like, like that. That was kind of stuff and, more what yeah. I was drawn to. Yeah. And so, but it wasn't something I was actively pursuing, but um, I just always had my camera with me. So like, you know, I was starting to travel and stuff a bit more like, cause I was an adult, so I could do what I wanted to do. And that of course was travel, see new things, have new experiences. And I was always you know, uh, taking photos of everything and kind of more in that like photojournalistic style. Um, and so I was just kind of very much like exploring that art form, enjoying that art form. Um, and something that I started to notice when I was coordinating weddings would be, there would kind of be like these moments that not every photographer, but sometimes I'd work with a photographer that just wasn't catching some of these moments that they should be catching. And I would go to the photographer and be like, oh, hey, like, I just wanted to let you know, like, this little thing is happening over there. You might want to capture that. So I was always, like, finding those little moments um, that a photographer might be missing. So that was kind of, like, that was in my head, like, hmm, that's odd that I'm seeing those moments. But, you know, like, again, full steam ahead, working, making money, not thinking about it. Um, and then basically some of my friends started to get married. And, like, again, I would take photos, like, when I'm traveling, when I'm out and about, like when, when, when my fam, like somebody has like a birthday party or something, I'd bring my camera. Like it was just known that I was going to bring my camera with me. My camera was like my purse, right? It was always with me. Um, and so I would share photos and this was back when, you know, Facebook was like very much like King. Um, and so people were sharing photos of everything. This is when you'd like go out with your friends and then you'd share like 30 photos the next day. Right. And so, like most people were just sharing like photos from not even their camera phone. This would have been like when you had like an individual, like everyone had that yeah, little your digital camera. camera. Yeah. yeah. So everybody had like a little pink one or there was like a few different ones. And so people would upload those. Um, but I would be sharing, you know, my photos and they were good. Like, you know, they were, they were better than other people's photos, but that's fine. Cause those people weren't photographers like, you know um, but yeah. So people would see my photos and be like, okay, she's good at photography. So I started having people just ask me like, Hey, we're getting engaged. Will you share engagement photos? Or, Hey, we're having this, like, can you share family photos? I was not advertising for it. I was like, what? So I ended up doing it for a friend. And I was like, I couldn't even imagine them giving me money for it. Cause I just didn't, in my mind, it was just not something that I was doing for money. It was not something I was trying to do for a career. 
Um, and so I remember like being taken out to dinner for like shooting someone's engagement photos. Then I posted the engagement photos and people kind of like went nuts and they were like, oh my God, these are so good. Started getting inquiries for weddings, things like that. And I was very much like, I don't feel fully ready for this. Like this is not. So I kind of had to like sit down in my, you know, type anus and kind of like map out a business plan and be like, is this something that I could see doing and that sort of thing. And at this point I had actually met my friend Nikki who um, she shot a wedding that I was coordinating for like one of my favorite brides. Um, And basically like she and I became good friends during that wedding because there weren't a lot of young people in our industry. So you have to imagine it's like I'm under 21 at this point, you know, and a lot of the other wedding professionals are older than me. Also, I'm also one of the few that was black at the time. And I like literally like that's that was just unfortunately how it was. There were very few black professionals in the Orlando wedding industry at that time. So yeah, I was black. I was incredibly young. Um, and I met Nikki, who was just a few years older than me. And so we immediately bonded. So when I decided I wanted to move into like the photography realm, I talked to her about it. And this was also a time when like a lot of people were very competitive especially women, unfortunately. Um, but she was not that way at all. She was immediately like, yes, you would be great at it. Like, let's do it. Um, so I started out like kind of shooting weddings with her. Like I would go as her second shooter, that sort of thing. So I got my like feet kind of wet and I felt comfortable in it. And then I started going out as, as the main photographer. And I kind of just, I would make kind of like a bucket list of things I wanted to do photography wise. Like I wanted to shoot Disney weddings I wanted to shoot an album cover. I wanted to be published. Um, so I made these goals with photography and they just kind of kept happening. So it, it was going really great. And it's, it was like a very fun and rewarding career for sure. Like I definitely love that chapter of my life. Yeah. Which is moving you a little bit into the next chapter, which is through blogging, you kind of started to pick up a little bit more. So how did blogging impact your photography career? So at the time, I feel like it was a time when a lot of people had, you know, a lot of creatives had blogs where we would just kind of chronicle the creativity in our lives and the creative parts of our lives. Um, Some of us had small businesses, some of us did not. Um, But yeah, so I had, you know, a blog just kind of outlining what was going on in my life, like sometimes day-to-day things, sometimes creative projects I was working on. I would love like taking a word like red and then like sharing like five photos of how I interpret red or like 7am and then like five photos of how I interpret that. So there's a lot of like just abstract, you know, like weird stuff. Um, But it, I just, there was no filter. Like I did not police myself at all. I just was very like vulnerable on there. And I feel like it opened me up to meeting a lot of people and also like a lot of my clients and potential clients feeling like they knew me on a deeper level, which is also what this podcast does, mind you. Um, And so people would read this blog and not even have met me and just feel like they're getting to know me, they're connecting with me. And it would just easily make me stand out when it came to, you know, you're going up against 20 other wedding photographers who have a similar style and are all just as capable as you are. But the difference is, is that like, I was just very accessible. My personality was out there and people would be like, oh, okay. Like, I feel like I know her. Like I want to hire her. I want to work with her. Also, I think like, you know, when you're getting married, it's such a, like a vulnerable situation. It's emotional. Your family's around. There's family dynamics that uh, vendors have to work around. It's like, 
oh, my parents are divorced. And like, you know, my stepmom and my mom don't get along. And all these different like things can come up and that vendors have to navigate and especially a planner and especially a wedding photographer. So, and even just in family portraits, there's a lot sometimes to navigate, especially if it's like an extended family portrait. So I feel like when people got to know my personality more, they felt just that I was very equipped to be able to be in there with their family dynamics and that sort of thing. So blogging helps so much with that. And then it also helped to connect me to other professionals. Like I met you through blogging. I met Melissa through blogging. I met Bobby through blogging, like so many other people that were, you know, especially like women business owners and women of color, right? Because we're not always, especially back then, we were not always celebrated. We were not always like, on the cover of a magazine or speaking at a business conference for me to know that we existed. And I think it was really big to just know that there are other women that exist that have different businesses doing different various things and that are, you know, doing well and figuring it out. So it was, it was really good to have like that lifeline of other creatives that I could speak to and other business owners that I could speak to uh, as we were kind of like all coming up at the same time. And then I also had, so this wasn't something that was like front facing for me. I was not the face of this, but I had a wedding blog called equal and forever. And this was before uh, marriage was legal for everyone. So this is back when you could not get married if you were gay. So, um, for me, like I really wanted to make sure that, people that were going to be in a same-sex marriage would be able to see themselves represented in the wedding industry. Because at this time, if you went to the not.com, if you went to weddings.com, if you went anywhere and you tried to Google a wedding with two grooms or two brides, like it would not come up. It was just not something that was seen at that time. And so I was like, these weddings are happening. They're few and far in between because they're not legal, but they are happening And I want people to see that. And I also want it to be visible as we're sitting here fighting for marriage equality. Like I want these things to be visible. So I started a website called Equal and Forever that I ran for quite a few years. It was not something that like I advertised as me because it was like, this is, this is not about me. This is bigger than me, you know? Um, So, but yeah, basically we'd have um, at least one wedding a day, possibly multiple weddings a day. And it was just because wedding websites were a very big thing back then. Like people would go to blogs and kind of get their inspiration because we didn't have Pinterest, you know, Instagram, when we did have it, it wasn't what it is now. So you didn't have these other sources to look at. Even if you Googled something, it wasn't, you weren't going to get the sort of results you get today. So you would go to a wedding website and check out their blog and look through their blog to kind of get inspiration for what the trends were and everything else. So yeah, so we focused completely on queer weddings. It was fantastic. We would have at least one a day, multiples a day. I got to meet you know, photographers from all over the country and the world, uh, because I, you know, I was constantly putting out there like, Hey, do you have a queer wedding? Like send it my way. You know, we feature LGBTQ weddings only. Um, and so it was so great for also for these people to be able to have their work featured. Cause a lot of times, like back then, if you chose to do, you know, queer weddings, it might be all you would do because the magazines were not picking you up. They were like, right. Right. A lot of the time. Exactly. Like you would get blacklisted so that, so that that was like all you did. So if you photographed, you know, LGBTQIA weddings, you might only photograph that because like the straight people were then not hiring you. Right. And so maybe you were still doing enough to like, to make your business work, but you weren't getting featured anywhere. Um, and so that's what I wanted to is just create a place for these things to be featured. So basically, yeah, I did that for quite a few years. And then we had one of the things we added was a map 
once some states started, it started like becoming legal finally to get married. And so we added a map during that time and every single state that would go legal, we would fill in the map and we, you know, so it's as it was very interesting because it's like I'm running this business, but also like I was doing a lot for the advocacy side and trying to like make this happen. So it was very exciting to be able to like fill in every state. And I remember, of course, the day I even I can see in my mind the graphic that I used in everything, like the day that it finally became legal for like the whole United States. So, yeah, it was like it's a chapter that not a lot of people actually know about unless like they just happen to know. You but know, not you know. Yeah, not a lot of people know about that chapter of my life, but it was really, really awesome. And I would have honestly considered doing it forever, but it is one of those things that my my hope and goal was to just see those weddings finally show up with all the other weddings. And they kind of have, um, not as much as they should, but the, it's definitely improved. And it is very expensive to run a site like that and very taxing and exhausting to do it on your own. Um, so, and you don't make a lot of money, but it was, it was worth it. And it was like probably one of the favorite, my favorite things that I've ever done. So, yeah. And today it'd be a little harder. I don't think people understand how dangerous it is to, um, work in spaces that are a little, that cause a lot of conflict or has a lot of conflict. And I know a lot of people who do a lot of advocacy work are consistently like, yeah, in danger. Yeah, we had to make sure that was one of the things. Like, we had to make sure on that website that none was, of your you information know, was out there, so right? Like that, no you. one could trace it back. Which, of course, like with any of your websites, you want to make sure that like your what your address isn't listed on there and things like that. But more so than the others, we had to have extra protections to make sure like they can't find our address, especially back then. Um, so yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> So as you were doing all of the things, celebrating that same-sex marriage is now legal, you start to start dipping your toes into consulting. So how did that start to fit into some of the things that you were still doing photography? You know, you're rotate, you're starting to rotate businesses a little bit. So when did consulting yeah, start to so that this picture? Was like, I feel like this was such a time when we were taught, like, you can only do one thing, right? Um, and I was having a, a hard time with that because I'm just that's just not how my brain works. And I really wanted to do other things. And there was such this push on the internet that was like, if you are a, you know, what is like master of all trades and you, or what is it? I don't know. What is that phrase? Master of, Uh, of yeah. Yeah. I've like pushed it out of my brain. Cause I'm like, like, get it out of there. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, people would be like, if you're a jack of all trades, you'll be a master of none. Nobody, like everyone was saying like, no one will take you seriously as a photographer if you offer other things. And there really weren't a lot of people like doing more than one thing. Like everybody was like trying to stay in a box and stay in a lane. And I was just like, this is so weird. Um, And then the people who were, were starting to do it on the side, but like not really tell anybody, like not put it out there type of thing. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of people reaching out to me that were like, Hey, you built a business from nothing and you didn't like have money to invest in this and that. I'd love to pick your brain about it and hear more about it. I'd be like, yeah, sure. And they'd be like, cool. I'll take you out to coffee or take you out to lunch or whatever. And this started to happen a lot to the point where I was like, okay, like I want to help everyone, but like, this is like exhausting. <laughs> like I still have to run my business. Like at this point I'm still doing equal and forever. I'm still blogging and still, you know, shooting weddings every weekend and multiple f- portrait sessions throughout uh, the week, including boudoir, which is like a whole different setup. And so it's like, I'm doing a lot of different stuff and uh, pretty much photographing everything except for, I've never really gotten into like the newborn sessions where you like I would do nursery sessions and when people would book me for because it would be like somebody get married 
they'd have me do their like engagement and their boudoir and then they'd have me do their wedding and then afterwards like they'd be like oh I want you to do we, we, we're pregnant I want you to come out and do photos and I'd be like I don't do like any of that I'm like I will do a nursery session where we're like at home we do a lifestyle session in the home but I'm not gonna hang your baby from things like that's not my thing um so yeah so I was very busy and I was just kind of like I'm not really sure if I have the time to keep like letting people pick my brain like this is kind of wild and so I was actually at your house and we were getting ready we were already doing this podcast um so I had that as well on my plate so I was at your house and I think you know your little one was a baby baby at that point and you were in the back like tending to her and you and David were getting ready to like kind of switch so he could take care of the baby and you and I could do the podcast and I'm sitting there chatting with David and I'm like man, I'm just having like a lot of like, you know, sit downs with people and kind of walking them through how to start up their business and like, you know, their first steps to take and like how to market and whatever. I'm like, it's, it's really tiring. And I'm like, maybe I should like add consulting services to what I do. And he's like, yeah, like you, you didn't know that you're basically a consultant already. And I was like, no, like I, I, I hadn't really like figure that out like I didn't know if I was like qualified for that and he's like yeah he's like you're basically a consultant for free I just thought you knew that I just thought you just like didn't want to do it but like we all already know (laughs) I was like oh okay um so it's just one of those great conversations where somebody else is seeing something that you're like not seeing but like I just didn't think of myself in that way but meanwhile I'm literally already doing it just not getting paid for it um so I decided to add consulting I talked to just a few friends and was like, yeah, I think I'm going to kind of slowly get into this. We'll kind of see how it goes. So again, enter Nikki, my photographer friend, I tell her and as anything I ever want to do, she's so gung ho. And she's like, yes, do it consulting. You're going to be great at it. Cause I would help her with a lot of like the, the business end stuff. Like I would come to her and be like, Hey, I need to move someone's head to another head. I need help with that. And she would like teach me how to do that. And then she'd be like, Hey, what are taxes? You know, <laughs> so, like, I would help her with the business side of things and she'd help me with like the Photoshop side of things. Um, but yeah, so she was like, I'm all over it. Let's do it. You're going to be great at it. So like two days later, she calls me and she's like, Hey, I know this guy, he is stepping down from his career. He had this long career. He's retiring. He wants to start a business and he wants to learn basically like social media because he knows nothing about it. So he's looking for someone to consult him on social media. And I was kind of like, okay, well, like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Like I have not written out a business plan. I do not have packages. Like I'm not prepared. Um, but I was like, but I can like sit down with him at like a Starbucks, um, and just kind of like get his thoughts and see what he's looking for. And then maybe I can get back to him in like a week and and see what I figured out. Um, and so I sit down with him and like, I was not trying to sell him. I was trying to unsell him. Right. Cause I was very much like not confident. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm offering. But by the end of that meeting, like he had booked me already for five hours and at a rate, I can't remember what the rate was right now, but it was like much higher than like I would have like thought would, would be possible. Um, and so I was like, okay, he's like, yeah, we'll do five hours. We'll do it at this rate. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. And so it just kind of exploded from there. And I started working, um, you know, with small businesses and influencers I do did a lot of branding at that time. So somebody would come to me and they'd be like, brand new. Hey, I want to start a business. I I love like when people are brand new to it and they 
are just like getting their feet wet for the first time. They're like, they don't know what they want. They don't know what they're doing. I love that sort of energy. I love like birthing a new business. That's like a very fun thing for me. Um, and so, yeah, I get to like play in that energy all the time. I get to come up with a brand, come up with like that marketing plan for the first year, which would be really fun. And then of course that lent itself to doing websites because, you know, if you're doing their branding or doing all that, then it kind of makes sense. So I started offering websites as well. And then in working with influencers, I started kind of, um, like doing negotiation for influencers for projects that they'd be working on. So let's say that they're, you know, I don't know, working with Panera or whoever, and I would be speaking to the representative at Panera and negotiating their contract out. And then I get a percentage of that. So this is when I started finally getting to play in a big way and getting to do a lot of different things, everything from, Oh, I'm doing photography for your site. I'm doing copywriting for your site. You know, I'm building your site. I'm picking your brand colors. I'm, I'm identifying your brand voice and really just like building the business with that person. And it was so like beautiful. I know it's like such a weird way probably to describe it, but that's the way I feel like I feel like I have all of these like babies with people, their business that I've helped them like bring to life. And when you still see that business like flourishing eight years later and that person being able to to work for that business full time still eight years later, like that's such a like that's one of my favorite parts of like what I've done. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a great feeling. And so obviously still like I I don't do as much of that now, but I still keep up with the businesses that I have, you know, helped and worked with in the past. And like, I don't know, it's just, I feel so lucky to have had that chapter in my life and to like, yeah, I don't know. I love it, but it's, it's a lot. I will say it's a lot for one person. And it's, it's very much a lot when like you and I have discussed this. It's like, I'm, I don't know why it is. I just, I love when they're brand new and they know nothing. It's just my favorite, but that is the more exhausting place to be when it comes to branding, when it comes to consulting, when you're working with new businesses all the time and people that are coming into it completely green all the time, that's an exhausting place to be, but I love that energy. So it's like, I just, I can't help it. And that's why like, eventually like I think that like I'll be moving more into, I mean, we're going to be doing courses, you know, for the podcast and I'll probably be doing some courses too, uh, just through me, um, because that way I can work with that demographic, but help more people and not completely burn out, you know, cause it is, it's like when you're working with somebody and they're launching a new business for the first time, like they need you all the time, you know, so you're working kind of around the clock. Yeah. So you decided to start getting a little bit more tangible and start working with physical products. So tell us a little bit about how you got into a product-based business. So I actually wanted to start a product-based business back when I was doing Equal and Forever. That's kind of when I originally had the idea of like what I wanted to do, what I wanted a shop to look like. And I'll be honest, it's like we would just continue running the numbers. And at that point in time, with the demographic, with what it was, which with what we'd be selling, with who we limited be technology. To. I don't think people understand yeah. that drop shipping was not Very happening. Oh yeah, it was that was not happening. So we just could not find a way like to run the numbers where it was going to to make any sense. Um, and so this is something that like I would I would still design stuff for it. Like I would I have so many designs for Equal and Forever products for. Um, doing cards, which like a lo- there were not really a lot of LGBT cards on the market at that point. Um, clothing, apparel, the whole the whole thing. So I had tons books and books full of sketches of what I'd want to do with that, but I just could not make the number side of it work. So it was just kind of something that was on the back burner for a long time. 
Um, and then like, and I always wanted to be more on the apparel and stationary side. That was kind of what I felt like this makes sense. This is going to do better with shipping. Um, it's easier to have like, you know, like if you're doing cards or you're doing a shirt, like you kind of have the one base and you can do different designs, that sort of thing. So fast forward, you know, I'm not doing equal and forever anymore. I start candle ma- making as like a hobby. Cause like I said, I like to craft, I like to create. So I start doing that as a hobby. Um, and I'm just kind of like enjoying it. This is probably like 2019, 2018. Well, no, 2018 was the first time. So I, and that Christmas I gave out some candles to friends, um, and then kind of picked it back up the following year in 2019, same thing, gave some Christmas candles away. Um, I made little labels and stuff for them, but again, like I wasn't thinking of it as a business. It was just kind of like a cute little, like this was like, you know, I'm just that extra when it comes to like gifts to friends and the holidays and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, I'll make like a little cute little thing for everybody. And everybody really loved the candles. I only did like one or two cents back then. Like I think I did a banana bread and maybe like library and that because I, again, it wasn't a business. I was just like, this is something I'm doing for fun. And I really loved it, enjoyed it and whatever. And then come, you know, like the pandemic and stuff, I decided, okay, maybe this is something that I should do a little bit more often. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I've always wanted to do product based. I still don't think I've done product based to, to the level of what I want to do it. I think you as well. Like we both said, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is that it's like, I don't, I don't know. I think we need to sit down with more product-based people this year, actually, because we do talk to a lot of service-based and I feel like there's a piece that I'm missing of the puzzle. I feel like I've really figured out service-based and I can do so well with it. And I've had lots of different types of service-based businesses, but I just have not like product-based. It's like, I end up working so hard. Like in my mind, I'm like, it's going to be easier than service-based, but it's not. So yeah, it's like, I still feel like there's more I want to do in that product based like realm. Um, but yeah, that, that was how it originally started with, with equal and forever. And it's just kind of, I feel like it's still something I'm playing with and dabbling with now, you know? Yeah. Um, product based girlies who are killing it, please slide into the DM so we can chit chat because we want, we have some questions. Um, yes. So you started tiptoeing a little bit about our favorite year of our lifetime, 2020. (laughs) Um, How did 2020 change your career trajectory? Right. So 2020, I was booked and busy with photography. I was a full-time photographer. Um, And man, I, this happened and it, and it came in Uh, March and I had done a Disney wedding. My last Disney wedding was, it was like the week of shutdown. Like I want to say like maybe. I think it was. I genuinely remember almost every single thing that we were doing up until shutdown happened. So I actually, this is what I remember. I can't remember the exact dates, but I remember that I had already done my shopping because my cousin who lives in Baltimore was like, John had a trip scheduled for his birthday And we were supposed to go up like, you know, mid to late March and kind of do the whole East because I have family up and down the East and we're supposed to go see everyone. And then basically we had to cancel the entire trip. And my cousin in Baltimore was like, hey, cancel your trip. You're not going anywhere. You're not, you know, no one in the family needs to see you right now. Stay at home. I'm going to be home for three months. Go to the store, buy a whole bunch of stuff, buy your mom stuff, and you're going to be on lockdown. And at this point, nobody was saying that. So I was kind of like, 
okay, like you're being a little extra, but also like this cousin is not an extra type person. Like he is very like, he's just not that guy. You know what I mean? Like he, he's like a coder and he's just very like analytical and chill and like whatever. Like he's just like in his computer all day. He's just like, he's not like hysterical. He's not extra. He's not any of these things. So it's like, if he's telling me this, then I'm just going to have to take it for what it is, even though like no one else is saying this at this point, but I'm going to have to take it for what it is. So I went and I got my stuff. I went and got my mom's stuff. Nobody was at the store caring at this point. Like it was just business as usual. And then, then it started kind of getting weird. And then it started getting really weird. And that's when you're seeing like people, like everyone's buying all the wipes and like everyone's kind of losing it. And then I had a wedding that weekend and I did the wedding. And that was like the last time I went outside. Um, and I remember at the (laughs) wedding, (laughs) I had, I had a, um, I had a girl who was interested in, in event coordination and she was like, would you ever consider doing event coordination again? And I was like, well, while I probably wouldn't do it myself because I enjoy the photography aspect of it. I was like, I would run it under my business and hire somebody to do that portion. And she was like, I would love to do that. So we're actually, I was actually thinking at that time of expanding my business out to include coordination and planning again, but, but hiring out planners and coordinators. So this was like going to be a huge time of expansion for my business. I was pretty excited about it. So she actually came out as an assistant. I was photographing the event, but she came out as an assistant to kind of like do some, a little bit of like dabble in the coordination for that day. Um, cause they didn't have a coordinator. Right. So they didn't mind cause they're getting like a free coordinator, even though she's like very green and new and, um, she had management experience. And like, I, I feel like I was like, she can do this. And she did, she did really great. So I remember at the end, like, first of all, the bridesmaids got into a fight because one was like, we need to go home. Disney is closing in a few days. Like that's like Disney announced they were closing. I like, at, at this wedding. <laughs> I am at the wedding and Disney's like, we're going to close down in a few days. And I'm like, I think, I think we need to wrap this wedding. I'm going to go home. Like, this is kind of what? Like, cause that never happens. So there's this, like, I'm in a hallway and I hear the, the bridesmaids and they're, they're like mad. And one of them is like, you know, we need to go home. Like after this wedding, like we need to just go home. Disney is closing. This is very serious. And the other one is like, come on, there's a few days left until they close. Like we're already here. We may as well enjoy it. It's not a big deal. And like the grooms were like, like we, we I'm with the grooms the next room we're just hearing them like fight fight and the grooms were like it's fine they'll be okay <laughs> like they'll they'll figure it out it's fine um and then I remember like at the end hugging the grooms and like we we paused first and we were like because we remember that we didn't know anything at this point like we did not know anything about this we did not know it was airborne we did not know anything about this so we were like should we hug like and one of them was like a firefighter and EMT. And he's like, yeah, I think it's probably okay. And I was like, well, he's a firefighter and EMT. So like, he probably knows, like, you know, and like we hugged at it's the end. Fine. And, and I remember hugging my assistant as well. But again, we paused. We're like, should we hug? And we're like, yeah, it should be fine. And then we hug. Um, and then I didn't hug anybody else besides John for like, however, 365 days minimum. Right. So <laughs> we had no idea like how wild it was going to be. But um, at that point, you know, John was teaching for OCPS. So they ended up shutting down school after spring break. Like we just, they never went back in. Um, and we knew that his job was secure because like it's the government, like schools are still going to run um, even if they're running from home. So we knew that we had that income coming in, but I obviously could not do any photography. I had to like weddings were canceled, portraits were canceled. And then on top of that, like I said, I work with a lot of uh, a lot of my consulting and branding clients at this point in time. I wasn't doing as many websites. I was doing a lot of consulting and branding and they were all um, like 
brand new businesses or businesses that were like maybe let's say under five years old, right? And most of them were in the Florida area, like Miami and Orlando, and they couldn't do their jobs. And a lot of them were in the wedding industry as well. So they could not do their jobs. Um, So it's like if they can't make wedding invitations, if they can't photograph a wedding, if they can't, you know, arrange florals for a wedding or whatever it is that their business was, if they're a bakery and they're closed, if they're a gym and they're closed, these are all types of businesses I was working with at the time. Uh, then they can't pay me, right? And I'm not going to hold them to a contract because the world is literally falling apart and I'm not evil. Um, So I just let everybody out of their contracts. At that point, I also had like some long contracts that were like, I'm I'm running your social media for six months. I'm running your social media for nine months. So I knew my money, like what was coming ahead of time. And it went from like everything that had built up over years to like nothing. Um, But it was fine because I was like, you know, we're still luckier than most people. John has a guaranteed income. We could live off of his income, so, like, we were fine. Um, But I was also, like, I can't just, like, sit here and not be making money, right? So I was, like, this seems like a really great time to kind of dive into um, product-based and kind of explore that, and I've wanted time to explore that. And I also thought, like, you know, I was pretty burnt out on photography at that point. I kind of had this, like, secret ambition to do, like, fine art photography, and in my mind – I thought that if I wasn't doing weddings and everything else that I'd have more time for fine art, which is like not how that ended up working out. (laughs) But in my mind, I was like, let me focus on fine art photography, which I can do from home and doing these candles. Um, So I started doing the candles and that went a lot better than expected. I think just because I had already kind of built up, you know, my like personal reputation, my personal brand had been built up. We had the podcast, which I think helped a ton when it came to launching the candles. Um, And so when I did my first launch, like, you know, I got everything ready for that day. I had everything kind of like set. And then I sold out like immediately on that first day, which was very surprising to me. I really did not expect that. I had a marketing campaign that was like a two week long marketing campaign that I was like planning to like have to be there every day, like buy candles, buy candles. Uh, But after the first day I was bought out and then I stopped because I was like, whoa, whoa, like, let me, let me turn this off because I was like, I got to ship all this and figure that out, which again, we're shipping during a pandemic. Like that was a whole thing. Um, and then I was like, let me re-pour and, and then, you know, keep adding to the site. So yeah, it kind of changed. Like I was able to really explore product-based at a time when it was not as like dire, I guess. Like, and I actually had the time and space to explore that because what else was I going to do? Right. I could not really like, it was literally illegal at that point in time to be a photographer. Um, so I could not legally do my main income. I couldn't do my secondary income of consulting. So it was just really a time when like, I was like, I guess I'm going to focus on product base only. But the mistake that I made is that candles are so involved and so time consuming that I, I, although I had enough time to focus on that, it took up all my time and I didn't have enough time to explore the other offerings that I wanted to offer. And then people really liked the candles, which is wonderful. But then they were like, cool, we like this, like give us more scents, give us more, you know. So I'm like trying to like develop all these new scents and this and that. And so I really just kind of got stuck only doing candles, which is not what I wanted. I wanted to have like different product offerings. So that's why I don't um, still do candles full time now is because it is very exhausting. It's you need a lot of space, whatever. So I do it more seasonally because it's like it, it's just it's a lot. It's more than so much more than people realize. Because again, I am hand pouring 
every single candle. I'm not like Bed Bath & Beyond that has like a machine doing it. Which is not good for you, but that's a whole other rant for a whole It is literally day. not good for me. And that's <laughs> another thing. Like, like if you've been listening for a while, you probably know that like I have a hormone imbalance and my hormones are all wild um and i have too much estrogen basically and so like pouring candles isn't good for that even though my candles are soy and they're organic and all those things but even still you're still around scent it's like i don't know it's still just like not the best and then like for for your hands it's like doing repetitive motions with your hands over and over so it's like i didn't end up having any health issues or anything like that because of it but it just definitely makes me think like do i need to be pouring hundreds of candles a day by myself is that like the best route to go so for me I'm like I'd rather do I do small batches during like the winter and fall months typically um and they sell out really fast but I'm like that's fine I'm I'm happy that they do and that's it and then people are mad and they're like I didn't get my like pumpkin for this year and I'm like I'm sorry but it's like it's literally like first come first serve small batch and that's it and hopefully this year I can kind of get a little bit more into some of the other products that I would like to offer, but it's, yeah, I just like, I want to do things the right way because I definitely should have started in the paper realm or the apparel realm instead of starting with candles. That should have been like a much later edition. Maybe apparel paper is wild. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, it's trash as well. (laughs) It's not even that it's trash. It's just also like, it's a lot. So if things weren't complicated enough, so to give the the girlies an update and also at in 2021, because Florida, the pandemic stopped. It's so funny because you were like, it was illegal. It's like until like May, April stopped pretending. Florida stopped pretending that the pandemic was real and opened yes, back up I real guess wild. Should, right. So like, but it was so dangerous. It was not safe. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like it was illegal, but like also like I, uh, yeah, I wanted to be safe. You wanted to be safe because again, you respect yourself and love yourself, and so Florida decided that all these kids were going back to school. And at that time, you know, we realized that you guys needed a little bit of a change. For safety, you moved to D.C. for a little bit. You came back. John got back in this classroom with these kids. These kids were bad. The teachers were wild. The administrators were wild. It's never been the same since. (laughs) And he decided to be like, I've dedicated my life enough. I've given my time. I need a little bit of a break. And he went into real estate in 2022. So what was that journey like for you? Because you've kind of, again, you've changed careers, but they've all been very connected. This is a complete 180 for somebody who's been a teacher for 20 years of their life. And that is your, your the love of your life, light of your life. Yes. Like, So what was that like? So basically, yeah, like you summed it up, like we moved to DC, we moved back, I think starting the candle business, like made me realize in a big way that all the things that people had been saying back in like, whatever 2000s, that like, jack of all trades, master of none, I realized like that is so incredibly wrong, because I just launched this candle business, I've not had a product based business before. And I've sold out in like two hours. And that's amazing. And that's because I built a personal brand, I have you know, our podcast, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, I've had the blog in the past that I was consistent with where I shared my personality. And I've done these services and I've worked like I can point to the people that I've worked with in, you know, multiple industries, uh, small business, medium sized business, influencers, etc. And then all my photography clients and, 
you know, they've all had a good time. Like, like that's the thing is like, if you've worked with me, you're going to have a positive experience because I'm going to make sure you do because that's important to me. Right. Um, so I've built this personal brand at this point. And when I sold out from candles, I kind of had this feeling of like, wow, I can actually do anything. Like that was the first time I really realized that. Like I was like, if I throw my name behind it and I put my work and my effort and my heart and my soul into it, like it's, I'm going to make it work. Right. And I, I think that I can do this at this point whatever this is. Um, and so I've always kind of wanted John to have more freedom in his career. Like I think with entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is incredibly hard. And we talk about that all the time. It is no joke. You are not necessarily rich. Like it's, it's a lot going into it. You're working sometimes way more than a person should be working. However, there is so much freedom in it. There is so much passion in it. And so I love what I do and I love getting able to do more, like I love being able to do more than one thing and being able to do things I'm passionate about for a living. Even if sometimes I burn out on those things, it's still a privilege to be in this position. So John had been teaching at this point for like 18 years and just, you know, I'd seen how lit up he was about teaching when he started in the, those early years and how, you know, education system has just gotten worse and worse and worse, unfortunately. And just the toll that it had taken on him. So I had kind of been pushing him to do something different for a while at that point. I was like, you gotta, you gotta do something different. And then the pandemic came and then it was like very apparent. And he went to the best district in the United States. Like he was literally working in one of the best districts in the United States, right outside of DC area. And well, in the DC area, right outside DC officially. Um, and we were kind of like, if they don't have it, it was certainly better. Let's be clear. It was much better than, than his experiences here, but it still wasn't like where it should be. Right. And so we're like, if this area that is literally like ranked in the top three of districts, if they don't have it fully together, then like education is just not going to have it fully together. Um, and so that was a big realization for him. And we moved back home and it was, you know, just again, more of the same from before, but worse. Um, and so he was like, I definitely like want to make a career change. I think I'm going to go into real estate. It is something that we had talked about before. We had a really great, um, interview with Maria, uh, who, you know, is in real estate here in Orlando and does just an awesome job. And so he listened to that and we were like, yeah, let's do this. So I told him, I was like, listen, I'm going to take the first six months. And at this point, you know, like I'm mostly doing like the candles is like my bread and butter at this point. Um, and I'm doing like a lot of consulting on the side, but haven't really come back to, uh, to photography. So I felt like I had a bit of space in my schedule and I was like, I'm going to take six months and I'm going to dedicate six months to helping you make this transition because you're, you're transitioning, like not just like to two very different career fields, but to two different ways of working. Like you had a job where you would wake up and be at a certain place at a certain time. And it was incredibly structured, even much more so than like a typical office environment, right? Because with teaching, like you have the students in front of you all day and you have a very specific schedule and it's that same schedule, like each and every day. So it's like very structured. You get in at the same time, out at the same time. You're doing the same things at the same time every year, every week, etc. Going from that to like now you have a job where you decide what time are you going to start work? When are you going to end work? What are going to be your hours that you deal with clients? How are you going to get clients? Like it's all just very unstructured from the world that he was coming from. So like I'm going to take six months and I'm going to kind of get you situated um, I was like, I'll consult a bit on the side. I will taper down candles a bit. 
and kind of focus like you'll be like my number one and then after six months I'm gonna go back to to my things and you do yours and so the first six months we started doing it and we sold a house um like he finishes training in like March and we sold a house in April so I held that check in my hand and I said wow <laughs> um and that we are making money that's crazy <laughs> I was like, this is wild because, and again, like at the time I was unlicensed. So it was like, there's certain things like you can do and not do when you're licensed and unlicensed. But like, like I still did a fair share of like, I definitely did my, my 50% of the work. You know what I'm saying? Like I did my 50% of the work that I was allowed to do legally. He did his 50% of the work. So it was definitely like our check. Right. And when I held it on my hand, I was like, I did so much less work or it felt like less work to earn this amount of money than anything else I've ever done. And when you look at the the numbers now, right? Like you think about what I was charging as a photographer like 13 years ago, say, and look at now, it's like those numbers unfortunately have not changed. No, they're not at all. There are people who still start at those prices. (laughs) Yeah, it's like inflation like has not gone to that industry at all. And it's like, so for example, I remember a time where like a typical session might be like around 250 if you're doing like a mini session, you might do like 99. And if you're doing like a larger family session that was like large, maybe some outfit changes or whatever, you might be like around like the 500 to 600 mark. That is still kind of what most photographers and not even just in Orlando, this is like like nationwide. That is still kind of the standard for a lot of things today. Like you'll see some portrait photographers that will get up to like a thousand, but it's very few and far in between. And that's typically... It's like when they're, it's a very, very specific like niche and it's often child like photographers that create um, like a whimsical, like fantasy type of thing for like, I can think of like two or three child photographers that do that, but most people, it's like not accessible for most people. So they're going to go for the photographer that's like a $300 session, which is like understandable. Obviously like it's, you know, you, you go for what is affordable and what, you know, makes sense for your family. But yeah, so it's like, but if there are. Like, my thing is, is, like, I wish we could get to a world where, like, somebody would save up all year and say, I'm going to spend yeah. 750 every year for my photography session or my yearly session because it's worth that. But that's not going to happen if there are No, because people are making... <laughs> Yeah, well, thousands of photographers that are like, and yes, and then people aren't making enough as well. Yeah. So it's just kind of well, like, it's just the know. content cycle, also like the idea that you must be posting these polished pictures of right. your family. Wanna, that's the other thing is like people would much rather have more photos <laughs> than quality one set of quality. So it's just yeah. like you're, it's it's with that industry, it's kind of like wild. Um, and so yeah, when I held that first like real estate check in my hand, I was like, oh. This is why. Like, this is <laughs> very Just being like he got money, like straight up. That's very funny. yeah. I was like, this is very wild. And then, um, you know, so I kind of kept. I was like, you know, we finished out the rest of that six months, and at the end of that six months, we realized like I am really good at real estate, and it's not something that I expected to be good at. Um, but I'm I'm just good at it, and I'm very good at lead gen. Uh, which makes sense because I have a background in marketing and everything. Um, but yeah, I'm very good at lead gen. John is good at it in a very different way than I am, but it works really well together. And this is something that we realize, like no surprise, I'm sure to anyone around us that John and I work really well together. We can be together 24 seven. 
We love to be together 24 seven. So that we already knew that. Cause when he would have share organs, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like when, he, when he was teaching and he'd have his summers, we loved summer because oh, you guys were to together every single second of every single day. <laughs> and I would work during the day during summer, but I'd be working at home and I would even work better when he was around. And then he would kind of do more of like the domestic stuff during the summer. So like he'd make our meals, he'd do more of the cleaning, keep the house together. And I would work during the summer. Um, and we loved summers because of that we were just like, oh this vibe now, is this so is your cool. every like, day which is yeah. bomb. and so you know we've just realized like oh we work so well together and it kind of just kind of makes sense to kind of be be doing real estate together but yeah so we kind of broke into um the you know the luxury market kind of a mistake and uh, you know, just kind of like we have an approach where I focus more on the lead gen that's online because that is my specialty. And a lot of people think that that means like making content. Uh, but the thing is, is like when like being unlicensed, which I'm working on my license now, but being unlicensed, like I can't, I can, but it's like a gray area. Like I wouldn't want to, and I don't think my broker would want me to, cause like I'm considered, um, you know, like, uh, they have like different positions, but like a transaction coordinator or like a lead, like lead gen, like that would be what like my position would be called. Right. So I still have a broker, um, still like tied to a brokerage. Um, and so basically like he is very old school and he'd be nervous if I was giving out too much advice online because we wouldn't want to blur the lines and people to think that I am the licensed agent. Right. So we're like very careful about that. But what we find is that doing lead gen through not just content, but through other ways online. Like there's groups you can talk to. Like I mean, I've literally like met clients like in groups that are about Disney. You know what I mean? Like you can have shared interests. You can have like, oh, I like books and I'm in this, you know, group about books. You certainly shouldn't go in there and be like, hey, everyone in this book group, I am in real estate. Would you like to buy a house? Like that's not the way to go about it. But it's just making genuine connections with people. And then this sort of thing kind of comes up where somebody might, a lot of times people will ask me because they see where I live and, and I share like my life and stuff. And they're like, hey, like I see you live like right by Disney. Like I've kind of thought about moving to Florida. Like, do you have any advice? Like, what do you think? And it's like, well, actually. And then the <laughs> conversation goes from there and it's very, just like genuine and it's authentic. organic it's not forced right. and it makes right. people feel very comfortable being yeah in and your so realm. like i'm really good at that because i already have a presence online i'm already used to people talking to people online and john is very good at people in person like he's very good to just like i can say like go walk valkyrie and go try to meet three people and he can do that and he'll literally genuinely have got to do it whether you ask or not let's right. be he real do it either way <laughs> So that has kind of been how we've, you know, been able to do like lead gen and kind of had like this two prong approach to it. And so we ended up just meeting somebody getting into like the luxury market. Once we sold a luxury house, I saw that check. I was like, listen, hey, baby, get <laughs> money. It's wild. I was like, people are just out here earning this amount, like for doing this. Like, this is what, and it's, I would say that like most people who run a business could probably do. Like if you have to do lead gen in your business and you have to do paperwork in your business, you're probably going to be, you would be able to be in real estate because it's, the skills are transferable, you know? And then we found that a lot of the skills were transferable for him for um, teaching because it's like being organized. It's being, it's educating. Like he has to educate, you know, our buyers and our sellers a lot of times, especially if they're first time or a lot of our investors are first time investors, right? So they're, 
they've maybe owned their own house, but they've never had an investment property. So they don't really know what's going on there. Uh, we have a lot of people that buy from out of town. So he's like, you know, educating them on that. So there's a lot of like teaching in the process of it, which we have found, you know, he's just really, really well equipped for. And then for me, just like keeping the organization of everything, keeping on top of the marketing, on top of the lead gen, um, and just knowing how to run a business, you know, it's like, so a lot of the things that we've done in the past have transferred over really well into this career. Yeah, which makes sense. And also, it's setting the stage for the next level of whatever you guys are going to be getting into, which I'm excited to talk about. So we are now here in the year of our Lord and Savior 2024. Although it is literally, we just got a 20 to watch as we're recording it. So why not 2024 be just as wild as every other year after 2020? It's like, I'm standing on business. I'm bringing drama. So what are some of your plans that you have going for 2024? So, okay. So, and I do have to say like in all of this, like, I feel like it's worth mentioning that like 2020, like my mental health was like fine. And then we moved up north and like I completely fell apart and experienced winter and like I was not equipped for that. I think that I would have done okay with winter had like I been able to see people, but I I truly could not see people. Um, And, you know, we're in a new You were the complete opposite of Elsa. Like Elsa created winter, was by herself in Gucci, and you were like, absolutely (laughs) not. To be fair, though, like if I had Elsa's winter, like that looked beautiful. And like winter in DC, like anybody would tell you, (laughs) I remember like going to like Trader Joe's like the first week, and, you know, of course, like all masked up and everything. And, you know, I'm talking to the like person there, and I was like, oh, like, do you think it's going to snow soon? And they're like, probably not. And they're like, did you just move here? And I was like, yeah, we just moved from Florida. Like, you know, we're excited for winter. Like, we never experienced like, Oh, no. Winter. That person was trying was, to warn and you. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I used to go up to New York all the time and, like, you know, I have family there. So, like, I've seen snow and stuff. But I was like, you know, I haven't got to, like, see it as often. And he And he was like, yeah, like, we're not really known for having, like, pretty winters. And I was like, oh, okay. That was, like, the first, like, little letdown. Yeah, it was probably like, go back to the wine aisle, go get the five-buck chuck, because you're in for a long time, sister. Yeah. (laughs) Literally, it only snowed twice, and both snows were, like, very, very small snows. Like, it was not – like, it barely stuck. So it was not, like, a picturesque, like, beautiful winter at all. Like, it was just gray, cold, and disgusting. And, like, yeah, it's just not – it was not it for me. Like it was not it. And then like doing everything was illegal. And when I say doing everything, I mean like if I wanted to go to a park outside to just like walk around with a mask on, that was illegal. Um, like it, DC like famously did not open up a lot of their like public. Cause like people would tell me like, Oh, like we went to this park when we visited DC, go there. I'm like, it is closed, baby. Everything is closed. Like everything here is closed. So there was literally like no going outside even with a mask on. Um, so yeah, it just like put me into like a depression and I was basically depressed, you know, and it took quite a while to like fully get out of that depression, even after we moved back. Cause it's like your body, like the levels and all the things, the scientific things in your body are like all messed up. And so you kind of got to work them back out. So it took a while to do all that and kind of get to where I am now. So it's been like, you know, a asking for help, <laughs> which is not easy. Cause I'm a Capricorn um and therapy and being outside like that's a big one and you tell me all the time go outside go outside go outside so I've done that uh moving back to where I have people like because it wasn't just moving back to like central Florida but specifically like you are like seven minutes down the road from me right now 
and Krista is nearby and other friends are nearby. So like having friends like be like in close driving or walking proximity, um, you know, being able to live somewhere where I can actually like walk to businesses and stores and stuff was very big. Uh, so there's been like a lot of things that have gotten me to like the mental health that I'm at right now, which I think uh, is what is prepared me for taking on everything that I'm taking on right now. Right. Because I just have started actually leveling up in the contracts that I uh, am taking as a consultant. So I'm like earning more than I ever have as a consultant, uh, things like that. So going forward into 2024, kind of what I, my plans are, um, I really am loving real estate. It's much more rewarding than I thought it would be. We've helped a lot of like first time homeowners get into homes there's a lot of people that I'm talking to now that are not sure if they qualify, that we're helping them through that process to see if they do. And then if they don't, we have a really wonderful lender who will help them to know, okay, here are steps you can take to qualify in six months, or here are steps you can take to qualify in a year. Because a lot of times people are just turned away and they're not told why, right? So we really want to be big on educating people on, yes, you can get to homeownership. Here are the steps to do it. And and not the steps that are just like, here's a list of six steps. Here are your steps based on your credit, your work situation, what you're doing. Because literally, like I know for a fact, there are people that will turn someone away when they're one point away from qualifying for a house instead of telling them how they can gain a point the following month and then come back and be able to qualify. But they'll just say, no, you don't qualify. So there's a lot of that. And of course, when I saw it happen, who did it happen to? A brown person. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of racism. There's a lot of stuff going on in real estate that we kind of want to be working against and you know, helping to see different types of people be able to achieve the goal of home ownership or being able to invest uh, because we do have a great market here for investing that is specific for investing. I don't like to see like, I would not want the person next to me who lives next to me to like rent their house out, right? Like I don't want to see like uh, regular neighborhoods having Airbnbs and stuff. I want it to be kept neighborhoods that are just an Airbnb neighborhood. That's just my personal philosophy on it. So I like that we have that here. And that is what we, when we're working with investors, that's what they're doing. They're not going to be buying a house that's like just like a random place in Winter Garden and sell, like renting that out. Like that's not for me. Um. So yeah, we want to be doing more educating and helping more people. Um, and then we're also going to be growing a team, which is really exciting. And so I'm in the process, like I said, I'm in the process of getting my license right now. Not a lot of what I do will change. There's certain things that I do and don't do in the process and certain things that John does and doesn't do in the process. And we have found the things that we're good at and we like, and my things actually don't require me to be licensed. So like, we'll probably continue doing those same things. However, I am going to be licensed so that I can be the head of the team. Um, we just both feel like I should be the head of the team. <laughs> like it just, if, if anybody knows us, it makes sense. Right. Again, I'm a Capricorn. Um, and yeah, so it's just kind of what had the way that we're going to structure it. And there's a lot of different ways to structure teams depending on, you know, what type of brokerage you're with, but ours essentially will have like our head. And then we've already kind of picked out some people who, um, we would like to be agents underneath us. So we're like super excited about that. And these are people who already like call us all the time for help and advice and everything. So it just kind of makes sense to move them to be on our team. And a lot of these teams, like they only just give you leads. Like you start out and they're like, here are some leads and I'm going to take like 50% of your earnings. And I think that is bananas. Like, I don't think that's ethically makes any sense for me. Like I want our team to offer ongoing education. I want us to offer like, you know, workshops, motivation, like 
just offer actual things. Cause if not, what are you like, what do you want a team for? Um, and I don't want our split to be as high as most of the other splits for teams average, like, you know, 50%. I think that that's way too much. So we're going to have a tiered approach where it's like, if we're giving you the lead, we are taking a little bit more, uh, we're taking a little bit less if you find the lead on your own. And then we're taking barely anything if the lead is immediate family, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good our marketing is or isn't. If your mom was selling her house, she was probably going to go with you regardless, right? So we want to have a tiered approach to that and just be very big on the education of it. But yeah, I'm really excited about it. And for me, I very much like from the get-go when we started getting serious about this or when I started like deciding like, okay, I'm actually going to like do this with you. I was very much like, I want this to be something that I am using this to uplift black women specifically and also when like people of color, women of color, femmes and queers, like I want us uplifted in this work that I'm doing. And so already like we have um, two people that are, no, three people that are training right now. They're in like their process to become licensed and they're taking the class. Um, our brokerage offers it for free. If you basically sign up with them and then you can choose to, you could take the test, you pay for the test and then you can choose to join the brokerage or not, but they offer for free if you're essentially being sponsored or recommended by an agent. So like John recommended them and all three of them are taking the class for free. So it's exciting to have like three black women like working on getting their license and then two that we've been working with at the office that are already agents, but we've been like mentoring them and that sort of thing. John more of the like real estate side of things and me more of the marketing side of things. So yeah, it's been already very exciting without even having started the team yet. So I'm very excited to start that this year. And we're kind of in the early, early days of it. I think that like we'll officially have things in place by summer, um, maybe a little bit before that, but that's kind of my goal, like going forward with this year. And then, you know, I, I am trying to slow down a bit on consulting um, kind of, like I said, you and I are going to be having courses here on the podcast website. And I think that's going to be helpful because I can kind of impart some of the things that I want to be able to impart, uh, as far as that goes, but not necessarily have like the one-on-one clients as often. And then I might have some sort of like consulting program that I'm going to develop that will be like small group so I can still do it, but I just, I cannot do it to the level I've been doing it because the last 10 months, I have been working way too much. I have been like way too, it's just been too much. Um, so the last 10 months has just been wild and I'm trying to like have a little bit of balance in life again. Uh, I can't be like, what I've learned is that like, you can't be a hundred percent with everything all the time. Right. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be this percentage with this, I need to do a little less with this. So like I said, with candles, that's something that's 100%. Okay. You're not seeing that until fall. Like it's, it's not going to happen. People can ask all they want. <laughs> They're not coming back until fall. A product may or may not show up between now and then. We'll just kind of see. Um, but I definitely think like I've gotten to a point where I'm so much more comfortable hiring people. Um, there was a time where I would only hire one person and like work with her on everything. And now like I'm much more comfortable hiring a lot of different types of people. So, and I'm sure Kaylee is like, thank God, cause I can't do it all. <laughs> um, so yeah, when you, when you kind of get to that point where you're ready to outsource and you found people that you enjoy working with. And, and now I love that, that side of it. There was a time, I think, especially when photography was my main, uh, you know, my main part of my career, the main element, 
it was very hard for me to outsource because I was like, I'm an artist and this is my art and like no one else can, you know, do like, they don't know what that moment was in time. So they can't edit it the right way. So I was like so dramatic about it. Um, but now it's like, I realized like I am very good at leading and I like leading. And so that in itself is, is a skill. And it's one that I, you know, have enjoyed flexing like recently. So I, I definitely want to keep in that vein and it, it enables me to be able to do so much more if I'm leading and delegating versus trying to do every little last detail because that's impossible. Um, and because, you know, I'm an overachiever, there is another nonprofit in the works that has been, you already know about it. I'm not going to say what it is right here, right now, but it's something that has been on my heart for a while. So, you know, at some point this year, I think this will be the year that that gets off the ground. I've already kind of put it out feelers to a few people who could help in that realm. Um, and it, it looks like things will be going far with that this year as well. So, but again, delegating, knowing that like my job sometimes is to be the leader and it's okay to step into that role. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah, we, we're ready and we're all waiting and we'll be documenting this live via the podcast. That's exciting that you all have yes. where I see all the things. That yeah. I definitely want to share the process of that. I think like, when I'm ready to announce it, I think it'll be something that from there on, we can kind of like give those little updates. Cause I do think it is, it's such an interesting process. Like I've started a nonprofit before I now I'm like no longer running that nonprofit. Um, cause it's just, again, I can't do everything in the world. Um, but that nonprofit still exists. Somebody else is running it now. Um, and I still work with a lot of nonprofits and, and do just a lot of nonprofit work. I, that's, I, that's how I started out in work. Like I've been working with nonprofits since I was 16. Um, so that's always been on my heart, but this is the one that is like very much like, if you know me, you're like, oh yeah, that's your mission girl. Like that's so in alignment with you. And I think that that's been a big thing for me in the past few years is like, I really come into like, what is in alignment with me and what is not. And like learn to focus and hone in on like, so these are the things that you're going to excel in and you don't have to do, you can do as much as you want, but you don't have to do everything. And you can focus on the things that really light you up. And for me, that really makes juggling different things like not only tolerable but enjoyable it makes me excited because I'm like I have my hand in a whole bunch of different things but I'm very passionate about all of them so I'm excited to to do all of them even if it's a lot going on so as a conclusion to end up and wrap up this fun interview and you already dropped so many gems anyway so I hope people have been listening and I hope the number one takeaway is uh, you do not have to be a master of yes uh, you know be a jack of all trades it's fine that's how you make money what advice do you have for our baby entrepreneurs who are just dipping their toes in the water so for those who are just getting started i'm sure that there's there is some sort of piece of advice like that that you know is keeping you either in a box or whatever it is that's holding you back i think that the earlier you learn to dial into your own intuition the better off you will be because things are constantly changing and the landscape has changed like i'm not that old like do I have a big age? Yeah, I have a big age, but I'm not that old. You know what I'm saying? And things have already changed drastically so many times since I have been in business. Um, so learn to dial into your own intuition. And regardless of what everyone else is saying, it's like, take that with a grain of salt. Certainly listen to the experts and listen to people that, you know, have tried and true like practices and have things that they can prove that they've done correctly, right? Because anyone can come out onto the internet and say, I did A, B, and C. Do they have the actual, like, can they back it up? Have they actually done it? So listen to other people for sure and, and take into account what they're saying, but learn to dial into your own intuition and listen to your inner voice as soon as possible. Get aligned with yourself 
if something doesn't feel right in your body, then it's probably not right. And when you can trust yourself, it's going to be so much easier to know what your path is, what to say no to, what to say yes to. Learn to say no as soon as you can. That's probably one of the most important words in your vocabulary is no. So learn to say no as soon as you can. And then also definitely build up your circle with other people you can trust because you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be the best at everything. You know, that's, I know it sucks to hear, especially if you're a Capricorn or a Virgo, you're like, nope, I want to be the best. And I'm sure there will be things that you are the best at, but it's not going to be everything. So you want to make sure there are other people in your circle who are better than you in the things that you lack in. And also people who will tell you the truth about what you should and shouldn't be doing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, People who will tell you that they have your back when the time is needed to have your back. Uh, And then people who will tell you like when something is what you shouldn't be doing. Just very recently, there was an opportunity that came my way and I was kind of like on the fence about it. And I told you about it and you dove a little bit deeper into it and you were like, you should not do this, you know? And there are yes people that would just be like, yes, do everything. Everything's so great, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, yeah, no, sorry to burst your bubble. Like this is not, this is not it. This is not what you think that it is. And I am so thankful to have people like you and David and all the rest of my entrepreneur friends in my life who are, who can be straight up with me about things because you need that. Like you can't just have yes people in your life. You need people that are going to give it to you straight. Um, But then also people who are going to kind of point out the things that sometimes if you're like me, like you get into your head and you're just like, oh, everything's terrible. And I'm sucked at everything. I definitely get to that. It's not, it's not terrible. Right. And you need people that are like, actually, you're kind of a bad bitch. Like you're kind of doing awesome. Like look at like somebody that can read you your, your, you know, your list of accomplishments and be like, hey, you did all these things. So actually I need you to chill out and realize like you're doing really well. Um, And then again, like, You want to have those business besties and then you want to have a supportive partner. I think who you choose as a partner, this is like beyond entrepreneurship, just in life, who you choose as a partner can set the tone for your, it does set the tone for your entire life, right? Uh, So it can be a, a positive thing or a negative thing. And we have talked about this on the podcast before, like if you have a partner that is not wanting you to succeed, is not wanting you to be ambitious is not wanting you to level up. Like you really need to reevaluate that relationship and what's going on. Now I'm not saying like be mad at your partner if they want you to be responsible. Like if you're, if your business has not made money for three years and you are, you know, just hemorrhaging money and things aren't going well. Don't end up in Reddit because you're out here being wild. Right. (laughs) If if your partner says to you nicely, like, Hey, like, I don't know if we can't afford it anymore. You got to get a regular job or something. That's not your partner not being supportive. But if you're, if you're doing really well in your nine to five and you're like, you know, I think about starting a side business and I kind of want to write a business plan and they're automatically like, no, I hate it. Like that's something you kind of need to look out for. So I do think that like choosing a partner for me, like I get, uh, you know, I can get like very anxious at times and that sort of thing. So choosing a partner that helps with my anxiety so that I can get all this work done has been like huge for me. Um, and just someone who understands my passions and is, there's been a lot of stuff over the years that John has, has helped me with behind the scenes. Like, and again, like he doesn't have the same skill set as I do, but like, he'll find like the place where he can fit in and he'll be like, I'm going to help here, you know? So that is huge. It's like finding your business besties. And if you are going to have a partner, uh, finding a partner who is going to be supportive as an entrepreneur, because it is a very different journey than having a nine to five. So you definitely want people who are going to be in alignment with you on that. Yeah. Don't go 
just picking up anybody like really find people who are going to be supportive and in alignment and that includes like you said all your relationships not just your romantic partner but your friendships as well because it is difficult it's not easy there are so many things happening in the world right now and it's so easy for people to make assumptions or feel like they've read something on the internet or whatever like you can you'll know the right people when they're around you and even some of your friends too, a lot i mean most of your friends who aren't entrepreneurs are very supportive and very like yeah, ready to say, go, I guess go a group of people too people who aren't entrepreneurs like you know my best friend margo is very like she's not an entrepreneur i don't she's think a ride she, or die <laughs> i don't think she'd ever be interested on it like at least at the moment she just does not seem like she's like that's not my ministry but she's so supportive of, you know, my business and other small businesses, which if I, I could see. afford her salary, I'd want her to work for me. Like she genuinely I, is so good at working. <laughs> we were like, man, if we ever win the lottery, like the first thing we would do is just hire Margot to do anything. Like we'd be like, so good. she's so good at what she does. She's so good at her job. But yeah, it's like, she's, she's just like, I love that. And I think that like, if you are a small business owner or a business owner in general, like you probably appreciate people that support other like small businesses or woman owned businesses or that sort of thing. Um, and so of course, a lot of our friends who are not business owners are very well versed in supporting local businesses or woman owned businesses or black owned businesses or, or whatever be it that aligns with, you know, them. So that's always like nice to see as well. Yeah. So this has been a very fun journey. Obviously we will follow up in a couple of maybe next year we'll do like a follow-up and be like hey how has yeah. the year gone what were all the things that happened etc cetera, etc cetera. um i'll put a link to my interview for those who are new and curious and didn't listen to it i want to follow up i'm sure things are 90 percent different and depending on how uh, underwater i was my answers were <laughs> probably were wild last year was a blur do not recommend. <laughs> oh, and I guess I should tell people like I'm on Instagram at Charisma O'Keefe. And actively most- posting. <laughs> yeah, I'm at most places at Charisma O'Keefe. I'm more in stories than on the grid on Instagram. But yeah, like Facebook, um, X, all the places I'm Charisma Posted O'Keefe. today. Instagram is really where I'm at the most. And again, stories is where I'm at the most. Um, but you can always email me as well at charisma.okeefe at gmail.com. I have many email addresses, but this is like my main one where everybody can reach me. And whether it's, you know, you have a question or you're starting a business or you want to hire me or just whatever, like you can just reach out. I'm very... Especially like, if I you're am, buying a very large home in some yeah, area. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> If you want to find a house or you have questions about that, I'm very approachable. Like I've had people like, I remember I had this one girl like slide into my DMs once and I was out at Disney Springs and I did not look cute that day. And she was like, I just saw you like at Disney Springs, but like, I don't really know you. So like, I was like afraid to come up and say hi. And I'm like, girl, I am not, it is not that serious. Like I am very approachable. Like I'm not joking when I say like slide in my DMs. Like I do, even though I'm very introverted, I love meeting new people. I love like one-on-one connecting with people. So please reach out. Like I, I am seriously approachable and I love helping people. Like I really do. Um, and then hopefully I'll start blogging again. Like I loved blogging and it's just, it's a, it's a medium that I very much enjoy. I enjoy creating for a blog. So hopefully I'll get back into that this year. We'll see. I've heard that it's kind of going to be the year of, it is the year of the blog, 2024. Yeah. Like we're going to see more, more podcasting, more blogs and more YouTube videos. And so I think that like if, if I'm going to jump into something, I would probably jump into blogging before YouTube videos just because I already know how to do it. Uh, so yeah, I might start doing that again. I'm just not sure if I will do it at charismatic concepts. Like I might be doing it elsewhere. So we'll see. 
All right, friends. Well, as always, please rate, review, share with your homies. That is how people find the podcast. Um, And we'll look forward to seeing you. See you next week.